recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogony Saturdays. Today is Saturday, November 1st, 2014. Only two months left of this year, which just started for me a few days ago, or at least that's the way it seems. Tomorrow night, I'm sorry, well, tomorrow evening in Europe, tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, because I had it all screwed up, we will have Christogony Europe with Sven Longshanks. I just thought I'd mention that before I forgot. I had um, talked last night about not being sure what time it would start, because I knew the clocks changed in Britain, and I even thought they changed in the wrong direction. So I had mentioned it may be at 1 p.m. It will be at 3 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow. Last week, we had a conversation with Brother Ryan called Walking the Walk. There may be a sequel to that. And we really did not endeavor to discuss eschatology or the restoration of the children of Israel into the favor of God, which we see is the goal at the end of days. And their deliverance from their captivity by the beast systems of the world, which, as is evident from the prophets and from the gospel and from the revelation, they have been in, in that captivity, since the time of the Assyrian deportations. As Christ said when the apostles asked him if he was going to restore the kingdom to the children of Israel, after his resurrection, he said it is not for you to know the times and the seasons. The purpose of last week's program was to discuss how a Christian, or, or to begin a discussion, because we really didn't finish it, concerning how a Christian should live life today in, in the situation that we are in, how we can endeavor to live according to the gospel, what things we should do, what things we shouldn't do. It's um, a difficult question because there are so many divergent opinions on what is good and evil, on what Christians shouldn't do, on what Christians should be able to overlook because of our grace in Christ, of what constitutes sin that we should depart away from. And, of course, the obvious sins are easy to depart from. However, any discussion on the topic of Christian deportment inevitably leads to a discussion of eschatology and what role Christians should have in ushering in the kingdom of God. And many Christians want to undertake that endeavor for themselves. Most of the contentions over this thing, over this topic, are due to the fleshly desires of men. And I say fleshly desires because if it is not from Christ, it is of the flesh. It amazes me 
how so many men today want to be their own Christ. They think that they have the idea that they are going to deliver us from the clutches of Satan if only we would listen to them. They want to be their own Christ. They think that if only they were listened to, they could save us from the eternal enemies of God. I had this clown last week, and, and most of the email I received after last week's program was very positive. But I had this one clown, and I want to make an example of this turkey, and maybe he'll call in. Tonight's a call-in program. Immediately after last week's program, he sent me an email. And because it is so representative of the problem with the attitudes of many white nationalists and even many in Christian identity, I'll read his email here. He said, I think you are making any attempts to go against the Jews futile. Well, the topic of last week's program wasn't going against the Jews. The topic was basically walking the walk, Christian deportment. And the things Christians do and the things they should do and a necessary part of that is the things that Christians should not do. And if a man can't um, do simple things like keep the little head between his legs in his pants or not partake in the Jewish system of usury, not go into debt every time he wants to buy some little trinket in Walmart. If a man can't do the simple things, if a man can't treat his brother with love and respect, then how is a man worthy of the kingdom of heaven? How is he worthy of displacing the Jew? in the role that the Jew has today in our society. Of course, a man who cannot walk the simple walk, the things like the Ten Commandments and the laws of God require, if he can't do that, he's not worthy of anything better than that. He's not worthy of having a role in the kingdom of heaven. This clown says, I think you are making any attempts to go against the Jews futile. You know, I can't make any attempts to go against the Jews fail or succeed. So this person has the wrong perspective right from the beginning. And he says, you claim the only way we are ever going to do anything about the Jews is if we are all on your bandwagon with Yahweh. I've got news for you. That ain't going to happen. Well, this man is evidently no Christian because the word of God says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Real, true Christian humility is subjecting oneself to the word of God and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's not what I say. What I say doesn't mean anything. That's what the Word of God says. He says that we're not all going to be on the bandwagon with Yahweh. He's saying that it's not going to happen. But the Word of God says, 
every knee shall bow. So it's not what I say, it's what the Word of God says. It's in Isaiah 45, chapter, verse 23, the Word of Yahweh. I have sworn by myself, the Word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. In other words, he will not change his mind about this. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. I ain't making it up. It's right there in the scripture. Is it still valid in the New Testament? Of course it's still valid in the New Testament. Paul of Tarsus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and in earth and under the earth. It should say, of those in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Speaking about the children of Israel. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So these people that are just going along with the flow, these people that are just um, swilling the crap from the Jewish media straw and, and, and hoping for something better tomorrow but not turning to Christ and not seeking the will of their God and not repenting, it doesn't matter what they do. It matters what the word of God demands. It doesn't matter how this clown that wrote this email feels. It matters what the word of God demands. And if that ain't going to happen, then we are not going to achieve the kingdom of heaven. We are not going to attain to, I should say, the kingdom of heaven. If we're not willing to be obedient to our God, we are not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. The, um, the Revelation of Christ is a book that foretells over 2,000 years of history. A great deal of that history has already transpired. The proof of that is in the Word itself. It's explained in Christ-like. I can't prove it in 10 minutes here or in half an hour here in a podcast. Christ Reich or, or, or the series that I began with Eli James and finished myself, so for that reason I plan on redoing it in the near future. Christ Reich is a series of 14 podcasts which explain the historical perspective and the fulfillment of the book of Revelation, or at least that portion of it which has been fulfilled to date. The words of Christ in the Revelation inform us that there are three steps between our present condition and the kingdom of heaven. Those three steps are, one, the fall of Babylon. Two, the call for Israel to come out of her and separate themselves. And three, the call for Israel to repay to her double. 
It can be established, and it has been established in Christreich, in my exposition on the prophecy, the revelation, that right now we are in the Revelation chapter 17, verse 17, stage of prophecy concerning the children of Israel, where it says, for God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. That's a perfect description of the state which the children of Israel, the true children of Israel, the white Celtic and Anglo-Saxon and related races are in today. We handed our kingdom over to the beast at various stages in recent history. For instance, in Britain, in 1695, when the Bank of England was founded, and the Jews gained total control of the British economy. In America, it almost happened a few times earlier on, but it wasn't fully culminated until 1913 when the Federal Reserve Act was passed and the satanic Jews gained total control of the American economy and were therefore able to control this nation like they controlled Britain. The way out of this is described in Revelation chapter 18 where we find the woman representing Israel. That woman, that whore in Revelation chapter 18 represents the children of Israel and the whore is joined to the beast. Another perfect description of the state of our people today. Because today, we collectively and most of us as individuals are indeed whores joined to the beast. The credit cards in your wallet prove it. If you're, if you're paying those Jews on Wall Street, if you're paying them usury, you're part of the problem before you could be part of the solution. Repent. That's the way it is. And people think, oh, I can't do without paying that credit card bill every month. I can't do without that usury. I, I, I won't be able to buy anything. Well, you save your money, and then you buy what you need. That's the way that works. And no, you can't divorce yourself from the system completely, but there's many things which Christians do that are adverse to the law of Yahweh. Do we have to deal with Walmart? Sure, sometimes we do. If we want to eat, do we go into debt to eat? Do we go into debt to entertain ourselves, most of our people readily go into debt for a seven-foot screen, TV screen, like they need a seven-foot TV screen because they have to be one step up on their neighbor that only has a five-foot TV screen. So they get a seven-foot TV screen so they could see bigger niggers on a wall on Sunday afternoon. They want those life-size niggers running that football. So they go into debt and they pay hundreds of dollars in usury to the bank so they could have a seven-foot TV screen. Revelation chapter 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. 
and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils. Well, look at London and New York today, and Detroit and Washington and Philadelphia and New Jersey and all of our other once mighty urban centers of, of trade and manufacturing. Babylon the Great is fallen is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and a hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. We're on the way. We're there. It just ain't fallen yet. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, globalism, international trade. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. That's steps one and two that I outlined above. Step one, down the path of our, meaning the children of Israel. Step one, down the path to the restoration of the children of Israel is the fall of Babylon. Step two, the call for the children of Israel to come out of her and separate themselves. Step three, from Revelation 18.5, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to the works in the cup which she has filled, filled to her double. You know, the clowns that um, criticize me for programs like Walk the Walk last week, where, where, where the main theme was the Christian need and requirement for repentance. The clowns that criticize me, they don't listen to all my podcasts. They just listen to a podcast once in a while, take half the things I say out of context, and roll with that. If they'd listened to my Micah series presented here earlier this year when I reached Micah chapter 4, I explained many of the things that we're discussing here tonight where Micah 4.13 says, Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hooves brass. And thou shalt beat in pieces many people. And I will consecrate their gain unto Yahweh, and their substance unto Yahweh of the whole earth. And that passage correlates with this passage in Revelation chapter 18. And the people of Yahweh have a clear role 
and the punishment which is to come upon the hordes of Gog and Magog after the fall of Babylon. Until then, the people of God are still in captivity, are still in their period of punishment for their sin. Here in Revelation chapter 18, the three stages we have been given for recourse against the beast system are clear. The fall of Babylon. We cannot make that happen. Yahweh God says he will make that happen. And it will fall in an hour in a short period of time when it does happen. The call for Israel to come out of her and separate themselves. If we do not have a valid Christian ministry... If we do not find the valid Christian ministry, then the trumpet which we sound at the end of days will not be clear and will not be understood. Only Christian identity is a valid Christian ministry. Because only Christian identity, in the words of the prophet Malachi, the last verses of the Old Testament can turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. Lest Yahweh come and smite the earth with a curse. The Christian identity message must be that Malachi Chapter 4, Ministry. That's the only valid Christian ministry at this day and time. Because Christ says that the spirit of Elijah must come first. And that, reading Malachi, chapter 4, is clearly the spirit of Elijah. So the three stages for our deliverance are clear. In Scripture, the fall of Babylon, for the children of Israel to separate themselves, and they must understand the truth in order to do that. And only then will the children of Israel have the call to arise and thresh. And you cannot, being a man, no matter how impatient you personally are, you cannot change the plan or the word of God. You are not going to succeed in that. I don't care how smart you think you sound in an email. It doesn't matter, these words that you write to me. They're ridiculous. I've got news for you. That ain't going to happen. You aren't going to get us all on a bandwagon with Yahweh. Well, the Word of God says it will happen. You just haven't been punished enough. So you need to put up with a few more niggers and Jews. Maybe you could marry one. Maybe then you'll learn your lesson. Humility. That's what you need. If you cannot subject yourself to the Word of God, you filled the biblical definition of arrogant. 
and you will be punished. You will be humiliated by God until you lose your arrogance and agree to submit to the word of God. That's the only solution for the children of Israel because our creator will not be mocked. Those three steps, the call, the fall of Babylon, the call for Israel to come out and separate themselves, and then, and only then, comes the call for Israel to arise and thresh and to repay to Babylon double what she had taken. Only then will we receive that. Only those three steps are the legitimate plan for God, plan of God for the children of Israel. I have somebody from Florida on the line. We're going to take the call. Hello. Yeah, I'm, let's let's start with your opening songs, okay? Can we start with that? Because, uh, you know, whenever I hear somebody refer white people as white boys, you know, I, I immediately think something is very suspect. You know, like Don Black, he's a big perpetrator of playing that, that stupid song, White Boy. <laughs> uh, you know, and then we have, you know, a nigger song. It's like, you know, stick your head out from under the pile and I'll shoot them. You know, but you're not for shooting people. You're, you're for, you're for uh, you know, you're for praying to God, waiting until everybody's on the same page as you are, and then, well, you know, we'll go into the Braveheart song. Slow down, clown. Slow down. Then we'll go into the Braveheart song, and we'll all gather around you, and, and uh, then we'll, we'll say, who will fight the beast? Shut them up. What did I say about being on the same page as I am? If you want to preach to me, go get your own talk shoe. If you want to have a conversation, we might be able to have a conversation. But that means that you have to shut your damn mouth every other 30 seconds. You got that? If you can't shut your mouth and let me answer a point that you make, then we can't have a conversation, and you are a clown and a troll. Now, I'm going to let you on back again, but you have to be willing to have a conversation. You're not going to over-talk me on my own program. You're not going to be a clown. I'm not going to allow you to troll me. Let him talk. It's my last 10 seconds. Hey, Bozo, can you have a conversation, or do you want to run your mouth nonstop? You know, I called Eli James' show today, and I had no problem what talking at all. You're a fucking puke. I don't want to talk to that Jew. I don't want you even mentioning that Jew on this program. Well, why, you know, why can't you just let me talk, man? I mean, you know, white people are supposed to be free speech. Whoa, slow the fuck down. Turn this clown Here we go. I told you, we could have a conversation. If you want to preach, you go get your own damn program. You got that? Do you understand that? 
just for entertainment purposes, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you can't have a conversation, then we can't talk because you want to be a preacher. You go start your own talk show. You call it the Bozo Bible Hour. Turn them on. Bill, but you know what? You're not answering any of my questions, you know? You won't give me a damn chance to answer one of your questions, you stupid bastard. Well, why don't you let me lay the whole thing out? You know, you just spoke. You just spoke. You over-talked me on my program. You just spoke for how long? It's not going to happen, you clown. It's not going to happen. Do you hear that? You are a stupid bastard. It's not going to happen. Yeah, play your brave heart song. It's not going to happen. Forget it. You're an idiot. We could have a a normal conversation. You can't have that. So I'm not going to let you talk. What kind of Christian are you? You're not a Christian. You send me emails, you, you, you argue against the Word of God. You don't want to hear that. You're still calling it my word. You're still saying it comes from me. I quoted the scripture. That's all I did. Richard. I wish I knew your last name because I tell everybody your last name too. It's probably like Rosenstein or something, I'm sure. <laughs> This is the gentleman that sent me this email that I'm, I, I am addressing here, making straw man arguments and trying to talk me down on my own program. That's not going to I'm not going to let him talk me down on any program or in any other venue. It's not going to happen. This is the attitude we have with people that want to contend with the Scripture. If you have a better idea... Go away. Go start your own talk show program. Go teach what you think and see how many people listen. Maybe you'll get a following. Maybe you'll be the next Adolf Hitler. He had 95% of his nation behind him, and he got squished like a bug by the beast. Now, I really think that that's a shame because whether I'm German or not is immaterial, I love Germans. They're authentic, hardworking, honest, most of them. Good, salt-of-the-earth people. They only wanted to be free of Satan. And when they tried it, they failed. Why? Well, the Word of God says that first, Babylon must fall. Then, Israel must come out from her and separate themselves. And then, the children of Israel can repay to her double what she had done to them. We cannot contend with the word of God. And when we sin, we must be willing to accept our punishment. That's the law of God. When you get caught stealing, you have to repay two times, three times, four times what you stole. If you can't repay it, You have to submit to slavery until you do repay it through labor. If you don't like that, well, that's the law of God, and that's just tough. You don't have a choice in the matter. Don't steal. That's the only alternative. Don't steal. 
Richard, I'm not going to talk to you again because you demonstrated that you cannot hold a conversation. So I'm not even going to ask Melissa to turn your audio back on again. This is a call-in program, and, and I will take calls, and I will treat people better than I treated Richard if they can have a conversation. But that bastard is not going to try to yell me down on my own program. It's not going to happen. And no, I don't apologize for my language because bastard, it's a Bible word. It's in there. Everybody knows what it means. And if you act the role, whether, you, whether you're a bastard or not, if you act like one, you deserve the label. Just like whether you're a Jew or not, if you act like one, you deserve the label. When the children of Israel acted like the Canaanites, Yahweh God treated them like the Canaanites. People love to point to the story of Gideon as a model, that they want to be the next Gideon, that they want to be the one that leads the children of Israel out of captivity and destroys the enemies of God. I'm going to look up one of my own forum posts. Gideon did not choose God. Rather, God chose Gideon. Richard, he wants to be Christ. Gideon was proven by some small trials in the beginning of his career as, as, as one who leads Israel out of captivity. He was given some small trials, and he succeeded. He, proved, he was proven by them, demonstrating that the hand of God was with Gideon. This is Judges chapter 6, if you're not familiar with the story. Numbers are not necessary when God is on your side, as Judges chapter 7 demonstrates. If you think you can be the next Gideon, you better be sure that you have a commission from God or you are going to fail. If you think you're going to be the next Gideon, but you have to collect people on the Internet and persuade them and enlist them to your cause, you're a troll and you're a clown. This is what I was talking about at the end of last week's program. And I became quite animated discussing this topic. And clowns like Richard, who just called in, or maybe I should call him Dick, because sometimes the name fits. This is what clowns like Dick want to make of themselves. 
They want to be a savior. They have a better idea than the scripture. We don't need Yahweh. We can go out and fight the Jews on our own. We can free our people from the children, from the children of Israel from the clutches of, of, the, of satanic Jewry on our own. So I'm going to go on the Internet, and I'm going to convince a lot of people that we can do this. But that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what we do. If you think you want to be Gideon, well, Gideon started out with 30,000 people. Judges chapter 7. And Yahweh said, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Gideon obeyed God, and God called the herd. And had Gideon lead his 30,000 people down to the water and had them drink from the river, and Yahweh God chose the manner by which he was going to call the herd. The people that demonstrated some common sense and dipped their hands into the river and lifted the water up to their mouths, they went with Gideon. They took a part in the salvation of Israel. The people that just dunked their heads into the water and drank from the river directly, like a dog would do, they were told to go home. So out of 30,000 people, 99% of those with Gideon were told to scram. Eat it. You drank out of the river like a dog. The 300 who did go with Gideon, they didn't take AR-15s. They didn't even, well, well, they had swords, but they took trumpets and lamps and pitchers into the battle. Imagine how they must have looked. They must have looked like some real turkeys going into battle against tens of thousands of the enemy, 300 men with trumpets and lamps and pitchers. But when they smashed their pitchers and sounded those trumpets, the enemy was thrown and, and held up their lamps. The enemy was thrown into confusion. And then, and only then, did the rest of the children of Israel join Gideon's 300 in destroying their enemies. When the enemy was thrown into confusion with the trumpets and the pitchers and the lamps, and the enemy started to destroy themselves, Well, the story of Gideon is a type for the battles to come. The trumpets the trumpets stand for the announcement of the gospel of God. The broken pictures represent the humility of man willing to return to their God. 
and repent. The lamps represent the light of the truth, as Christ is the light come into the world. With these, the enemy is thrown into confusion and turn on one another. Only then, in the days of Gideon, did the balance of the children of Israel join in the battle. Similarly, in Ezekiel chapter 38, we see another scenario where the enemies of Yahweh and of Israel are turned against one another, and the, this prophecy the fulfillment of this prophecy we await this very day, where it says, and it shall come, and I'll take the callers in a minute, and it shall come to pass. At the same time, when God shall come against the land of Israel, saith Yahweh God, that my fury shall come up in my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence, and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call, and I, Yahweh, God, and I will call for a sword against him, Gog and the hordes of Gog and Magog. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains. Every man's sword shall be against his brother, saith Yahweh God. The same thing which happened in the days of Gideon with the trumpets, the pitchers, and the lamps. The enemy's swords are turned against each other in confusion. And in that manner did the children of Israel prevail in the face of great advantage on the part of the enemy. And in that manner, when the children of Israel prevail, when they face such incredible odds, in that manner is Yahweh God magnified. And the children of Israel understand that their God is with them and that they should give the credit to their God, not to themselves. If you want to be the next Gideon, you don't need to be trying to collect people on the Internet. Gideon didn't collect people on the Internet. He didn't go out and beg people to come with him to battle. He took those that Yahweh God gave him, and he succeeded with them. Okay, we're going to take the next caller. I believe that might be Eastern Tennessee. Hello. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Wonderful. Praise Yahweh. How are you? I'm doing fine. I wanted to ask you a double question, Bill. I've got a friend I've been trying to witness to. He goes to Genesis and talks about the serpent, of course, being a snake, and God, Yahweh made him lose his hands and arms, and he had to crawl in the dust of the earth. 
I've been trying to witness to this guy, and he's wanting me to show him scriptures that prove that Satan still is in the snake. You know, he can't catch it. Chapter 12. Chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. The serpent it is the Satan that, that, that was the leader of the fallen angels and was cast out of heaven. He was right. called old serpent, the devil, and Satan. Well, you know, he must be pulling games on me then because he told me to go anywhere in the Bible except for Revelation. Go anywhere in the Bible except Revelation. So you're yeah. to argue with him on his terms instead of on Scripture. So Revelation doesn't count as Scripture. Okay, okay. What are you saying? Revelation doesn't count as Scripture? Yes, no, it does. Yeah, it does, of course. Uh, I guess he's trying to twist well, and distort well, things. Christ said that, Christ said in Matthew, it might be chapter 12. Okay. Matthew chapter 13 verse 35, that he came to reveal things found secret from the foundation of the world. Matthew 13, 35. So if Christ came to reveal things kept secret since the foundation of the world, then the identification of the serpent with Satan and the devil and the fallen angels was purposely kept secret since the foundation of the world and not revealed until Christ. And he tells us the identity of the serpent in Revelation chapter 12. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Right, okay. And the, uh, I've been looking for a compliment to you. Let, Let me say one more thing in this light. If Christ came to reveal things kept secret, since the foundation of the world. That's the reason for the revelation. Right. To reveal things in Matthew thirteen thirty five. The name of the book is Revelation. <laughs> right. right. Okay. Right. Right. Uh I wanted to find a compliment to your New Testament, Bill, uh, you know, Christ Eugene New Testament. I've been looking at Farrah-Benton. Uh I don't know which way to turn. Which would you get if you was getting the Old Testament, you know, to complement your New Testament? Well, well, there's because the manuscripts are so bad and because many, not all, but many of the translations are, are so wanting in so many areas, we can't recommend just one Old Testament. Right. You should have a Septuagint, and, and you should have perhaps a, a King James, and then I would have one other English translation of the Masoretic text, either a Smith and Goodspeed or, or a... Um, that this, that the NAS is good in a lot of respects, the New American Standard Bible. It's not perfect, of course, but it has a lot of good translations of, of Old Testament um, books and, and, and passages. So I, I would start with at least three, three right. translations, right? The King James, the, the, the Septuagint, and one other, and study them all. And I have a program on Christiania entitled, What is the Bible? 
that, that, that discusses my own approach to the study of Scripture. And, and we need every source we could get for the Old right. Testament because right. of the, um, the different opinions and the meanings of words, the, the, um, the poor treatment and the poor preservation of ancient manuscripts. There's a lot of problems in the Old Testament. Right. We need every source we can get. And I also advise that the lens that we understand the Old Testament through would be that of the new. To understand the old, we have to really have a good grip on the new. Right. You have to make. Okay. Uh, another, I'm getting this in the chat, and, and it's true. The, the Orthodox Study Bible... The Greek Orthodox Study Bible, it's called the Orthodox Study Bible, is a, is a decent Old Testament based on the Septuagint. Okay, I'm writing this down. Well, okay, I appreciate it, Bill. Like I said, uh, these are two things, and I think, like I said, the guy that I'm witnessing to, I think he's playing games with me probably, but I appreciate your help, Bill. God bless. Oh, okay. Y'all be blessed. Praise Yahweh. Bless you. Bye-bye. We have somebody from Georgia. Hello. Hello. This is William Fink, and this is Christy Day. Saturday, July 13th. Okay, so I know what I sound like. Well, well, North Georgia isn't going to be back on the line. <laughs> I don't know what, what what kind of point he's going to make, but I'm not going to sit there and listen to whatever he was. I don't know if it was me or if it was somebody making like they were me. I don't know. Beats me. Well, this is a call-in program. It'd be nice to have some legitimate callers. Somebody, I don't care. You could be, you could disagree with me, but we have to be able to have a discussion. That, that's the um, that the only prerequisite for, for for maintaining a phone call is that we have to be able to have a discussion. If um, somebody's going to try to shout me down, well. That's just pointless because it's not going to happen. And it's not constructive by any means. I don't need to be um, admonished like a child. Well, that's, that, that Richard is just a dick. That, that's um, the name chance. Let's read the story of Gideon. From Judges chapter 6. From verse 11, and there came an angel of Yahweh and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abba's right. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites were oppressing Israel at this time. And the Midianites had been mixing themselves with the Canaanites, the Moabites, that's pretty clear in the um, book of Deuteronomy and some of the chapters in Numbers. Gideon means hewer, somebody who swings an axe 
H-E-W-E-R. So the name, the name fit him well. But we see he's a man of low estate. He's threshing wheat by the wine press and attempting to hide it from the Midianites so that they would have something to eat. And the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him and said unto him, Yahweh is with thee, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if Yahweh be with us, then why has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up from Egypt? But now Yahweh has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. How much does that sound like our position today? Gideon, a man is only educated in what, what, what he learns while he's raised up. Gideon... And his story reveals some. Gideon evidently didn't know why the children of Israel were being oppressed. But when we read this story in Judges chapter 6, we see that the rest of Gideon's village is engaged in Baal worship. So they should be oppressed. They have set up altars to Baal. Verse 14. And Yahweh looked upon him and said, Go. In this thy night, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have I not sent thee, or have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. So we learn the Gideons of the tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. So Gideon is a humble man even though at first he was addressed as a mighty man of valor. He's humble. And Yahweh said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Gideon wants to know that this is God and not some demon. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in. So Gideon said to God, hold it, wait here a minute, right? And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him, under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of Yahweh put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of Yahweh departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of Yahweh, Gideon said, Alas, O Yahweh God, for because I have seen an angel of Yahweh face to face. And Yahweh said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not. Thou shalt not die. The morale to this 
introduction to the story of Gideon is this. If you think God's talking to you, you better be sure. A lot of people think God's talking to them, like that clown Richard. Oh, we'll never all be on board with, with Yahweh. This is never going to happen, or that's never going to happen. When the word of Yahweh says it will happen, well, Richard is a fleshly man. That's why the name Dick fits him well. Then Gideon built an altar there under Yahweh and called it Jehovah Shalom. Under this day, it is yet in the Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And it came to pass in the same night that Yahweh said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father has. Gideon's own father had an altar of Baal. This is the position the children of Israel were in when they were oppressed by the Midianites, so it's no wonder they were being punished. And cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto Yahweh thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take down and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as Yahweh had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household, and the men of the city, that could not, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. So Gideon was told, and knew that Yahweh was with him, Yet he was still prudent. He was still prudent in his actions. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built, the altar to Yahweh. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Now, originally, this was called the altar of Gideon's father. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he has cast down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash and Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is morning. If he be a god, meaning Baal, let him plead for himself because one has cast down his altar.
So even though this is called the altar of Gideon, the altar of Gideon's father, and we don't have the whole story here, Joash defended Gideon because if Baal were really a god, he could defend himself for having his altar cast down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbaal, saying, let Baal plead against him. Jerubbaal means let Baal contend. Because he has thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of Yahweh God came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who was also gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and under Naphtali, all the northern tribes. And they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry, only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. And it's evident that Gideon did not seek these signs because he doubted God. Rather, Gideon sought the signs because he was humble and could not believe that God would choose as lowly a man such as himself by whom to deliver Israel. So Gideon wanted to be sure. If you think God's talking to you, if you think that you should do something because you think it's from God, you better be sure. You better be as careful as Gideon was, or you're just going to get your head cut off. The Midianites are going to stomp your ass and the ass of everybody you draw in with you. Judges chapter 7. Then Jerubbaal, which is the nickname for Gideon now, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And Yahweh said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. 
Do we need more people? No. One plus Yahweh is a majority. That's all we need. If you really believe that you have license from God and that you're going to be successful and undertake your endeavors, you don't need to be on the Internet trying to get dummies to follow along with you. You don't need to be trolling other people's talk shoe programs because they don't agree with you. We should all agree with Christ. We should all agree with Scripture. That's what matters. The feelings of men don't matter. You're just a clown trying to beguile the innocent. Or you're a troll working for the government. That's a, been a pattern for 40 years now. And Yahweh said unto Gideon, I'm repeating this passage on purpose, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. We don't need more people. We need less people. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. We need sincere people. And then they'll understand this scripture. And they won't doubt the word of God. Now therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned to the people, twenty and two thousand. And there remained 10,000 out of 32,000 people. Only 300 are going to be found worthy. And Yahweh said unto Gideon, the people are still too many. They lost two-thirds of them, over two-thirds, and they're still too many. Bring them down under the water, and I will try them for thee there, and it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, they shall go with thee. The same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people under the water. And Yahweh said unto Gideon, every one that laps at the water with his tongue as a dog laps, Richard, him shalt thou set by, thy, by himself. Likewise, everyone that bows down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that laughed, putting their hand to the mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And Yahweh said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. Let all the other people go, every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent and retained those 300 men. All the rest had to go home because all the rest were too many by which Yahweh would conquer the Midianites. 
And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that Yahweh said unto him, Arise, get thee down under the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou feared to go down, go thou with fur thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thy hands be strengthened to go down under the host, to go down to the battle. And he went down with Farah, his servant, under the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the sea for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it, that it fell, and overturned it, that the tent lay along, that it lay down on the ground. And his fellow answered, and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand is God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped, and returned into the host of Israel, and said, Arise, for Yahweh has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand, not a sword, a trumpet, with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise, and behold, but I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be, that as I do, you shall do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye with trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord, and of Gideon, the sword of Yahweh, and of Gideon. The words the sword of are added to the text. We don't necessarily need them. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came under the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands, and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of Yahweh, there it is in the text, the sword of Yahweh and of Gideon. And they stood, every man, in his place around about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and Yahweh set every man's sword against his fellow. The same thing we see in Ezekiel chapter 38 of the hordes of Gog. 
even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshittah in Zerarath, and to the border of Abel-Meholah, and unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of, out of all Manasseh. Now the balance of the Israelites participated in the battle and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all the Mount of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethara and Jordan. And all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock. Oreb and Zeb, they slew at the winepress of Zeb and pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. And the rest of the story, Gideon slays all his enemies and lives happily ever after, delivering the children of Israel, right? Basically, I won't even go there. We don't need any more of the story. The trumpets, the lamps, the broken pitchers, the announcement of the gospel, the light of the truth, and the humility of men who subject themselves to the word of God. That's what we need when Babylon falls. Then will the rest of our people wake up and join the battle like the children of Israel did here. The people that want to take things into their own hands, they like to use Gideon as an example. They better follow Gideon because Gideon knew that he had a commission of Yahweh and he made sure of it twice, not once. He made double sure of it before he took action. And even then, he was told to do things in a manner that the people would know that the victory came from God. These clowns on the internet today saying, oh, well, we need to fight the Jews and we need to do this and we need to do that. And they scoff at the word of God. They are fleshly men who are doomed to failure. That's just the way it is. They could hate me for saying that. I'm only saying what the scripture teaches. It's plain and simple. Take guess nine. See if we have another troll. I bet we have another troll. Hello. How about the Ford okay. Mavs? Okay, shut down guest nine. It's another troll. I guess only trolls call into Christagenia Radio. The Pecker Pupper is not going to get an audience at Christagenia. He's not going to get a word in. I knew it was him. I just did it for ha-ha-ha's. Okay, that's about the end of this program because I'm not going to sit here and waste the callers. I've made my point. The scripture 
explains how the children of Israel are to, going to come out of their oppression. If they don't choose the route of repentance and following Christ, they're doomed to fail, and they're doomed to remain in their misery. It's that simple. You are not going to create your own Messiah. It's not going to happen. Three steps, Babylon falls, the children of Israel separate themselves, and then the children of Israel had the opportunity to pick up the sword and repay the herd double. It's not going to happen any other way. That's the prescription of Christ. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, and good night.